our kids have been learning about humility. The way that it's been defined downstairs is uh, putting others first by giving up what you think you deserve. It's easy to put someone that we love first, someone that has done something nice for us, perhaps a grandmother, a grandparent, mom, a dad, a sibling, somebody who we love. It's really, really easy to be humble. But what happens if someone mistreats you or hurts you? What does it look like to practice humility within that relationship? Levi had his first baseball practice this past week. Um, This picture is coming in just a second. I'm going to give you a story. Um, But uh, Levi had his first baseball practice this past week for the season. He loves to play baseball. He was excited about practice this week. A couple years ago, he had the opportunity to play for an all-star team. The time came for the very last tournament of the season for the all-star team. It was down in Mitchell. Uh, Before the game starts, just like every other game, the boys were out there passing back and forth, getting warmed up. The next thing we know, we're outside, we're not on the field, obviously. The next thing we know, we see Levi approaching us with his head back and his hand over his face. It's one of those like, oh, no. So immediately, Levi, what happened? Well, come to find out, the people, the boys that were passing next to him, a ball hit a, a glove that didn't stay in the glove, ricocheted off his friend's glove and met his lip. Now, I do have a picture of this. Oh, everybody say, oh, yeah. Got him good. Well, we're looking at it. We're, is it, do we need to, oh, this is the last tournament. So we evaluated, got some input from some friends and decided he needs to go to the ER and get it checked out. We go to the ER. He gets his first stitches ever. Uh, look at this picture just outside the ER, the next one. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Look at that smile. Here's the cool thing about that story. He did miss that game, obviously, that he was warming up for. Uh, but that afternoon, we headed back to the tournament, and this kid with stitches in his face got back out on the field and played the rest of the tournament with his team. How about that? Isn't that awesome? Levi is one tough kid. He's one tough kid. Now, of course, of course, it was not the intention of Levi's friend to hurt Levi, but the damage was done. It wouldn't surprise any of you to know that Levi forgave his friend, right? That's what friends do. We forgive one another. But what if someone intentionally hurts you? What if somebody intentionally hurts you? What do we do? What should our response look like? I'm sure each of you have an example of how you've been hurt by another. Maybe it was a a best friend who you thought your secret was safe with them. But you find out later on that what was shared in private has been shared with your classmates or has been shared with coworkers. Maybe you worked really hard on a gift for a birthday in your family, but then that family member just took that gift and threw it away. Maybe you've been given a nickname that everyone thinks is funny, ha, 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 but it stings a little more than you let on. We deal with situations in life that are difficult, uh, ones that uh, where forgiveness is hard. So what does it take to choose to forgive someone when they've hurt, when they've hurt you? It's a great question. It's one that people have been struggling with, trying to answer, trying to figure out for many 
many years, a really long time, we even find the writers of the Bible wrestling with how to show love, how to show humility when people hurt us. And thankfully, we have the greatest example to ever live and walk this earth in Jesus himself, who lived out his answer, and consequently, our answer this morning. In the Gospel of John, uh, it's the fourth Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in the New Testament. Uh, John is one of the Jesus' closest friends. He's a follower of Jesus. Um, and we're going to read this story today from the Gospel of John that we're going to give a little bit of the backstory that makes it, I think, come alive even more so. And we're going to have some help. How are the drawings coming along? Not good from Daniel. I don't believe that. Keep going. You're doing well. I have a sneak peek, and it's looking great. Just keep on going. Uh, as our friends draw these scenes, let's hear about one of Jesus' closest friends by the name of Peter. Uh, he was an ordinary man, a fisherman by trade. He spent most of his days and nights fishing. One morning, Peter is out on his boat uh, fishing. In fact, he's been fishing all night long. He has not caught anything. Here he is, a professional fisherman. I'm sure the embarrassment that is his, he has not caught any fish all night long. Jesus, as at the beginning of his ministry, he's teaching on the shore. After his teaching was over, Jesus asked Peter to do something crazy. He says, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. The nets are lowered down into the boat, and immediately the nets begin to fill with fish. Jesus looks at Peter and he tells him, you will now become fisher, uh, a fisher of, of men. Peter was astonished by Jesus. He was astonished by what had just taken place. And this rabbi has asked him, come and be my follower. And so he jumps at the opportunity to follow Jesus. For the next three years, he has a front row seat to Jesus's life and ministry. And he watches as Jesus cares for others, even though Jesus, or excuse me, he was a close follower of Jesus. If you know anything about the story of Peter, you know that he was far from perfect. Oftentimes he would speak before he thought about what he was saying. He was far from perfect. But I'm so glad the story of Peter is in Scripture. It tells me and it communicates to me that God uses real people sometimes that are not so perfect, to make a difference in the lives of others. Over the years, Peter and, and Jesus grew to be close friends. One would, assume, one would assume that nothing could break their friendship. But Peter put their friendship to the test. He put it to the test. So, I have my first drawing. It's being wrapped up. So good. A man eating. Harper, you about ready? Almost. I wasn't ready for this, but um, we're going to wait on Harper to finish. Harper's drawing a picture of a man eating. Once you get that table colored in, Harper, I want you to come up and display that picture. That's perfect. That's great. Come right on up here. You can stand up. I want everybody to see this. If you'll just stand right here in the middle, turn that picture around and show everybody. How about that? Isn't that great? Stay right there for just a second. Hold it. Stay right there for just a second. You might remember how the night before Jesus was crucified, Peter ate a meal with Jesus and his disciples. This was a special time, a special gathering when Jesus shared a glimpse of God's plan. As they ate 
together. Peter promised Jesus he would die uh, uh, before disowning him, before denying his friendship that he had with Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus told Peter? Actually, Peter, you're going to disown me not once, not twice, but three times, and then we're going to hear the rooster crow. Can we thank Harper for her wonderful drawing this morning? You can have a seat. Thank you so much for your help this morning. Fantastic. Of course, Peter exclaimed, I will never deny you. I will never deny you, Jesus. But then that's exactly what happened. Once Jesus was arrested, the disciples were scared that not only would Jesus be harmed uh, by the soldiers, but they too would be next. And so in his greatest hour of need, the disciples followed at a distance. uh, Peter finds himself in a courtyard. The high priest has questioned Jesus. Peter stayed outside. He's warming himself next to a fire, and a girl comes up to Peter. She asked Peter, you aren't one of Jesus' disciples too, are you? He replied, I am not. I realized Peter was scared, but, but this was his moment. This was his big moment to deliver, to come through for his friend Jesus, and he denied even knowing him. He failed. Jesus had been arrested and and needed friends more than ever, but Peter in that moment acted like he didn't even know him. Not once, but twice, and then again a third time. Peter was asked if he knew, if he was one of Jesus' disciples three times. And every single time, I don't know the guy. I don't know the guy. It's in that, uh, that point in the story that uh, we hear the sound of a rooster. Somebody's drawing a man standing next to a rooster. Come on up, Gabby. Just stand right up here in front. Display that. Wow. Look at that. That's incredible. Just like Jesus had predicted. Just like Jesus had predicted. Peter denies him three times, and we hear the sound of a rooster. Now, I'm curious, is there a child or a teen that can do a rooster cock-a-doodle-doo? <clears throat> I heard it. I don't know who it was. That was awesome. Thank you for that. Gabby, can we thank Gabby one more time? You can have a seat, Gabby. Well done. <clears throat> this happened, um, this had happened to Peter one other time. Peter realized um, that, uh, well, let me jump back. Peter did what he might have often done when something was bothering him. He'd gathered a, a few friends. Jesus had died. Um, he didn't know what to do. And so they, they went back to what they were doing before Jesus had called them. And he got on a boat and, and he was fishing uh, with a few friends. All night long they had fished and had not caught anything. The early morning arrives and just embarrassed, distraught, living in fear, just disappointed with how things have turned out, with, with Jesus, with his haul, no haul, rather, overnight. Not a single fish, but then he hears a, a voice. And I'm wondering if we have a drawing of a man on a boat. Let's go back to that. This is fantastic, Dana. This is really, really good. Turn around. Look at that. Isn't that great? Well done. Well done. You can have a seat. Thank you. Peter's on the boat. Skinny as ever. Um, 
and he hasn't caught a thing, and he hears a voice from the shore. Try the other side of the boat. Try the other side of the boat. And what we have is a man on the beach. Gadigan, are you ready to just relax? Oh, all right, I'm going to talk a little bit more. He's almost there. He hears a voice from the caster nets on the other side of the boat. And the nets immediately begin to fear. And I, I can't help but wonder, did Peter remember back just about three years ago? When he was out on his boat, when he was fishing, and he had been fishing all night long in much the same way, in much the same way, and he had heard a voice from the shore, try the other side. And in just the same way, the nets fill with fish. Gagan, are you done? Come on up. I love it. That's all right. Come on up. This is a man on a beach. Oh, hold it up high so everybody can see. Look at that. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Gagan. You can have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. To all of our artists, that was tremendous. The man on the beach, Peter recognized, it is the Lord. Instead of waiting for the boat to reach the shore, he said, I'm not waiting. He jumps off the boat and swims to the shore to be with Jesus on that, on that beach. Peter remembered. He remembered his call from Jesus. Follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He remembered that moment. I'm convinced of that. And they're sitting on that beach. Around a campfire, Jesus has prepared breakfast for the crew. And after they ate, Jesus and Peter had an important conversation. This is what we read in the Gospel of John. When Jesus and the disciples had finished eating, Jesus spoke to Simon Peter. He asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? Yes, Lord, he answered. You know that I love. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Two more times. Don't think it's a coincidence. Two more times, Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. And after each time Peter expressed his love, Jesus would challenge Peter, Peter, feed my lambs. Peter, take care of my sheep. Peter, feed my sheep. Jesus didn't intend for Peter to become a shepherd There's no sheep on that shoreline that morning. What's Jesus talking about? If you look behind me, the beautiful stained glass window, the image that is portrayed, Jesus holding sheep, having the shepherd's staff in his hand. Beautiful, beautiful picture. Jesus, in John 10, called himself the good shepherd, while the people around him were like his sheep. Jesus wanted Peter to take care of the people who follow Jesus and would follow him in the future. Now, I really like this story because we get a glimpse of the character of Jesus. As one of Jesus' closest friends, Peter was convinced. He was convinced, I'm never going to deny Jesus. But when Jesus needed his friends the most, he denied him three different times. When the rooster crowed, Peter realized what he had done, and he felt awful. However, Jesus showed up on the same beach where where Peter parked his boat. And Jesus had a valid reason in that moment. I think we can all agree. He had a valid reason to be mad, to be upset. 
he had been hurt by Peter. Their friendship, I'm sure, had taken a hit. How would you or I have responded? I don't know, but we have Jesus' response. Jesus initiates this conversation with him to make things right. And here's what I love about this conversation. Jesus asks Peter, do you love me, Peter? Here's what I love. Peter never once had to ask Jesus the same question. Have you ever thought about that? Peter never had to ask Jesus, Jesus, do you still love me? Do you love me? No. Peter didn't have to wonder what Jesus was thinking. Jesus still loved Peter. Jesus was willing to forgive Peter, and Peter knew it. He was inviting Peter as he forgave him into a new life, a one where Peter would care for the people that followed Jesus. We live in a world full of frustrations and difficulties all around us. Broken promises, disappointments, people that wrong us. Um, It is so easy, so simple, just to resort to being mad. Not only being sad, but being mad and staying there. But even if you feel like you have the right to be mad, Jesus demonstrates another option, right? Jesus, here in the Gospel of John, demonstrates for us another option. He made things right between himself and Peter. There's a great chance you'll be, perhaps, the one, at some point, that wrongs somebody else. It happens from time to time. And if that happens to you, it's just as important for us to follow Jesus' example. Jesus didn't wrong Peter. But in the event that is you or I, it is so critical and so important, following Jesus' example, for us to take it upon ourselves to do everything we can to make things right. So think on this question. When is it hard to make things right? Just think about that. When is it hard to make things right? When you look at the difficulties you've faced, what situations is it really, really hard to forgive? It's really, really hard to extend forgiveness. When are the times you really need God's help to make things right? Jesus had put Peter first. Jesus took the time to make sure that Peter knew things are good between us. Imagine how Peter felt on the shore that morning. We should follow Jesus' example. We should follow his example and do as he has done. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Love as you have been loved. This story is a great reminder for all of us what real Real humility looks like. It's about putting others first, just like Jesus did with Peter. Your situation may feel hopeless. It may feel broken beyond repair. You may just feel like despair abounds. But can I draw your attention one more time to the stained glass window that is behind me? The window is beautiful. 
the window, if you look really, really close and notice each individual piece, the window is full of broken glass. It's full of broken glass. And it shows us, it reminds us this morning how broken things can be mended and sometimes become even more beautiful than they were before. Things break, and so do friendships. We say things we don't mean and sometimes do something selfish. We get hurt. We cause hurt for other people. All relationships have breaks. We all have an opportunity to follow Jesus' example, to forgive and be forgiven. It's never easy, but you can choose to put others first by making things When is it most hard for you to make things right? I hope you're encouraged this morning by the story that we find in the Gospel of John. The example of Jesus. Is it easy? No. But Jesus will help you. God will give you the strength, the courage, the words, the patience, whatever it is that is necessary. When is it hard for you to make things right? May we... May we follow the example of Jesus that we have been given. This relationship that was broken, mended once again because of the willingness of Jesus to make things right. Let me pray. Amen.